one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. On DAB Digital Radio and 1089 and 1053 AM, Fight Night with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davis on Talk Sport. Uh, we are back once again in the studio and the Scarlet Pimpernel has returned. He has returned from his travels in the United States of America covering all the mixed martial arts that you can throw a stick at. Gareth A. Davis back alongside me tonight uh, for Fight Night on TalkSport. If you want to get involved with the programme, you're more than welcome to do so. 08717 uh, On the forms, we will be speaking to uh, Dillian White. We'll also be conversing with Huey Fury ahead of his world title eliminator uh, next week uh, in Sofia. And we've got a special guest in the studio. Before I introduce who it is, take a listen to this. I've seen his record, he's fought the likes of Mayorga and Ryan Ford. Ryan Ford's a good test. Mayorga is well past his name, but he's a, he's a great, great name, isn't he? But, um, no, I think it'll be an interesting fight. He's likes getting quick and in and out on his feet. I don't think he'll stand and engage too much, but it'll be an interesting fight. Good right hands as well, and down goes Cox, and he's in big trouble here in the second round. Just like he was against George Grimes. Is he going to make this? That's not a body shot, that's a headshot. Knocked out, second round. All over, John Ryder with the win of his career. I'm just going to try and box him and play him at his own game. It'd be hard to... It'd be hard, it'd be different to my last two opponents. He won't come and stand in front of me, he'll, he'll be on his bike most of the night. So I'll have to, I'll have to go chasing a bit, but smartly. Eddie's come through this, this shot as a final eliminator. But um, no, I'm really happy, it's, uh, it's nice. If, at, at the time when you, you're sitting around waiting for the call to see what's happening next year, you do question the game a bit, but then something like this gets delivered and you're buzzing again. Next Saturday evening, we'll be live and exclusive from the Copper Box where we'll be bringing you commentary of a final eliminator for the WBA Super Middleweight title, which involves our guest that is in the studio with tonight, the gorilla himself, 
John Ryder. How are you, mate? I'm good, I'm good. What an introduction. Mate, well, listen, we like to big everybody up here, Gareth, don't we? You know what I mean? We like to take it through the roof. We make, t- make you feel at home, and then you'll give us some home truths when we, we, when we chat to you. We, we definitely do. And, and you know, our fella here, the gorilla in the midst, if I can call it that That's tonight, it, of yeah. us, mm. um, has even made himself very comfortable at TalkSport yes. today. I mean, it, people were wondering who he was. When, when was it, John? Would have been about 8.45 this morning. That's right. <laughs> Keen. Keen. We booked him for 9pm. However, he wrote down 9am and you rocked up this morning. You're ready to rock and roll on breakfast. AM, PM. Is, is, I'm, I'm over 24 hour clock, man. That's so, it. Any yeah. time of day, you're ready to go. That's it. <laughs> That's called hard work and dedication, isn't it? That just gives boxers a bad name. I've, I've, just, I've just ruined it, haven't I? <laughs> Uh, no, oh, listen, we're, we're going to have a, an action-packed uh, half an hour or so with, uh, with John. He's been waiting all day for it, so he's, he's, <laughs> we, let's make it sing, We baby. are going to make this <laughs> sing, no question about it. Absolutely. Uh, John Ryder, I think we should jump ways. around like gorillas in the first half an hour just to make John that's really it. feel at that's home. That's what we'll do. Let's and, do it. Obviously, we're going to be uh, uh, talking about his final eliminator next weekend uh, and just conversing in general uh, about uh, a fantastic year uh, so far for John. But before we do that, let's get stuck into our uh, top three boxing Slash mixed martial arts stories uh, of the week. Obviously, you've been over in the States. Uh, Five events in 20 days. Can you believe it? Yeah. Well, you've been over in the States. And I suppose the big story coming out of the States this week is uh, Saul Alvarez. $365 million over uh, over 11 fights with the zone. He was looking for a new television company after HBO decided to jack it in after the Daniel Jacobs fight. Um Milky bars are on him. Huge story. We're going to talk a lot about this tonight and, and, and how DAZN is changing the face of uh, the way that boxing is going to be seen in the next few years, along with ESPN+. Plus. Mm. This is a big, big move. There's a lot to talk about with this. There's lots of layers to this. The other big story, without any shadow of a doubt, um, is uh, the... It's like it's like seeing two ex-girlfriends hanging out together. Uh, aye, aye. David Hay and Derek Chisora. Oh, oh fe- yeah. Do you know well. what I mean? I mean, these lads had a metal fence between them uh, in the in the build-up to their fight at uh, West Ham at Upton Park. Obviously, he glassed every... me. He glassed me. That was the claim. That? that was the he, claim. He was he was me. Night. Yeah, I was there that yeah. night, a couple of feet away from in Munich, yeah. February 2012. Yeah. It was absolutely bonkers. David Hay fleeing afterwards from Germany on the first plane out of there. The police turning up. It was like it was like a scene from a movie. But now they're best mates. Unbelievable. Now they're all be- best pals. Well, look, look, I, look so, so are Evander Holyfield and Mike Tyson. And so are Mike Tyson and Lennox Lewis friends now. You know, chunks have been taken out of ears, out of legs. But you know what? In the passage of time, mm. you know, John will be friends with his rivals down the line at some point. You know, it, you know, people mature, people grow up. And, and it is great to see Hay and Chisora kind of, you know, burying the hatchet finally. Because they were still going at it. We were there the other night. In, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know where we were, at one of the O2 Arena. And they're still chomping at each other over this, that and the other. Hay trying to get uh, uh, Derek Chisora to fight Joe Joyce. Remember we were there we that did, night. Yeah. Show me 80 grand, I'll do all this kind of stuff. Mm. You know, um, it's great to see them together what i do like david's a very good businessman and i think he'll be very good for del boy who sorry he's not del boy anymore war. he's derek war chisora That's now it. isn't he i prefer del boy boy the war uh well there's there's plenty to talk about including uh next for pacquiao maybe broner in january uh where we, whether we're going to see kelbrook whether we're going to see uh, amir khan do it that's all coming up later on the show the first half and i was dedicated to this man that's with us obviously uh talking about his uh his final eliminator listen what an unbelievable 12 months it has been for you in uh, in the super middleweight division. Some sensational victories there. We just had a little bit of commentary, obviously, at the back end there, I think, was the Jamie Cox fight. Fantastic victories, which have now propelled you into position where if you were, when you were campaigning at middleweight, could you, 
could you envisage that you would be at this point come next Saturday? Listen, forget about the last 12 months. I'm still talking the last 12 hours. <laughs> <laughs> I've been back and forward over that Blackfriars Bridge. I'm here now and we are live. You take advantage, pal. It's all yeah. yours now yeah. then. Yeah. No, no, honestly, yeah. 12 months ago, where was I? Um, yeah, Outside so, here. Probably, probably, <laughs> yeah, I, I was just hoping for a shot on here. But um, yeah, no, it was a long testing road, I suppose. Uh, highs and lows at middleweight. Good, yeah. good fight with Billy Joe Saunders. Good close fight. Uh, come back, rebuilt, um, hit a massive hole in the road against Blackwell, down to weight as well. Um, come back from that, had a good win against Kamitsky. Mm. Who's was a good, good opponent, good tough opponent. Just on, just on the Nick Blackwell fight because that's. I mean, the Billy Joe Saunders fight that was close. You just narrowly yeah, missed out close, on that yeah. one. British title. Yeah, yep. absolutely. And for the Nick Blackwell fight, was that harder to take because you were comfortably winning it, and then ended up getting stopped in the seventh round? Yeah, I suppose it was. I mean, just. Um, I suppose just playing at the game as well. Just I was struggling at the weight and just thought I could crash it off last minute and, and be all right. And mm. it, it showed you I, I was all right for a while. Then I got halfway through it and that weight crash made me crash in the fight. And a single body shot, then a head shot, yeah. just, just turned it all on his head. I mean, at the time of the stoppage, I felt okay. Had I been stopped 10 seconds earlier, then I would have said, you know what, fair enough. I was, I was in trouble then. Mm. But when it was actually stopped, I felt I was okay. I was on the move. I was recovering. Mm. And then, as you just mentioned, there there was a point at uh, at one sixty where you then made that decision to go one six eight. Was that a conscious decision, or was it just an opportunity arose at one six eight to move up to super middleweight? No, I'd have I'd had another fight. Um, I fought Kamitsky. Had a, a six rounder in Glasgow. Then was fighting in Manchester. Robert Talarek. Yeah, I fought Talarek in yep, Glasgow. Yep. yep. Then I fought Jack Armfield in Manchester yep. on the Corolla Lamares yeah. undercard. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um. I lost another another decision, but just absolutely Donald at the weight. Yeah. So sat down and said, I, I really do need to move up now. This is either quick boxing or move up. Mm -hmm. um, got a good shot against Adam Etches for an IBF international. Took that with both hands and, and won, won well. Adam Adam's a mate as well. We get on really well, but so it's like one of those things. It's, it's boxing. Mm. Um, then I got the shot against Rocky Fielding. Um, a good fight. A fight I still believe I won now. Uh, so I, I kind of do feel undefeated at super middleweight. I feel I've got a, a, a new lease of life at super middleweight. I feel I feel good. I feel I feel like I had him going in that fight. I, yeah. I hit him in that tenth, and I just I just couldn't get the finish. I suppose mm. a little bit of inexperience, a little bit too small to weight still, still going into the weight, and I should have really got him out of there. But it's it's um it's one of the things that it's gone, uh, and he's gone on to bigger and better things. So well done to him. Good luck. We're going to hear about, I'd like to really hear, the listeners won't have heard much from you before, you know, I think you're very underrated and underexposed British boxer uh, on the scene. I'd really like to know about your life and, and how you got into boxing. I know that you've been it's around not, Islington. It's not Jeremy Cowell, you don't no, have to counsel no, him. No, 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 I know I'm not counselling him. <laughs> but, but I do want to talk about when, when, when John looks at people like Nick Blackwell now and how tough this sport is. John was telling me mm. just now, I mean, you know, he's got a four-year-old daughter. Um, you know, and so he's fighting for his family as well. But I really like to know how you got into the sport. Obviously, you're built like a fighter. I mean, you're built like a, you know, I don't say gorilla, but, but you know, <laughs> physically you're very powerful. And, and it always amazed me that you made middleweight, mm. you know, because yeah. you've always been very hench, haven't you? Yeah, you know? well, the big legs. Um, and yeah, just very, very big built. Mm. 
Well, stick around because John's going to stick around the studio. We're going to get stuck into, uh, obviously, the path to where he's at right now. And next weekend, a fantastic opportunity uh, to really uh, make a statement in the super middleweight division because one more victory and he's knocking on the door of a world title. Uh, so stick around. You're listening to Fight Night on TalkSport. Uh, Saturday night's all right for fighting. You're listening to uh, TalkSport Fight Night with myself, Adam Catterall and Gareth Air Davis. John Ryan is in the studio. We don't forget, in the early hours of the morning, uh, Don McGuinness and Glenn McCrory is going to be bringing you live commentary. We have Katie Taylor in action, Scott Quigg in action, Tommy Coyle's in action, and then you've got the WBO Middleweight Championship uh, between uh, Andrade and uh, the Namibian Walter. He's going to be, hopefully, upsetting the apple cart in the early hours of the morning. It should have been Billy Joe Saunders, but it's not. Well, anyway, we'll get to that later on in the show. As I said, John Ryan is in the studio. You two having a little bit of a chinwag about uh, our uh, about your youth and how you got involved in the world of boxing. At what point is it? Is it a family tradition to get involved in boxing, John, or is it just one of those things that you thought to yourself, "I fancy having a little bit of a knock with a few pals." Uh, I watched Rocky. That's what. That's all it was. <laughs> I watched Rocky, and uh, I thought this is a bit of me. At what age? Um, I don't know. Probably, probably quite young, mm-hmm. six or seven. I watched a lot of Naz fights as well. Uh, Eubanks. You'd have been 10, 10, 11 then, wouldn't you? Uh, yeah, maybe maybe about that, yeah, the, like the Steve Collins fights. So it was all great fights. and mm. Not so much on the American scene, it was all the British scene, like the ITV fights. I got to see a lot of them, got to stay up late. So it was good. But Islington is traditionally, you're from Islington, and you went to Highbury Grove School, didn't That's you? It, yeah. A lot of footballers came out of that school. And, you know, you, ha- you had kind of very influential coaches there and played in your day, didn't you? Yeah, in, in the, I think when I was in year seven, we had Cliff Jones, who was like a, mm. a, a player, former player for Tottenham. So mm. um, obviously was, he got a lot of stick because most of us were Arsenal fans. <laughs> but um, he always took it well. And actually, I live in the same estate as Terry Naylor growing up. So I'd always have that common ground to talk to him and he'd... He'd have a throw a bit of banter back and forth with each other. But but Frank Warren's from that area, of course, and, and, and Islington's always been a hotbed for boxing. You know, boxing used to take place in the baths years ago. You'll you'll know the history of this. Um, but, you know, there was Islington ABC, Angel ABC. But you didn't start out in Islington, did you? No, no, my dad was um, a good friend of uh, Jimmy Oliver. He, Spencer's dad. Spencer's dad, yeah. His and late father. His late father, yeah. And um, I started off in, in Barnet at the Finchley Boxing Club. And it just it was it was an hour there every night, an hour back. Yeah, and it was just I was just, say, that's a, just a big there. commute. Yeah, it was a real family effort. My mum used to drive me halfway. My dad'd get me the other half, and he, his timekeeping was terrible. So <laughs> I'd always be getting there late. So a, a mate of mine from school said, "I know I train at the Angel. Should we should we go?" And I said, "Yeah, let's, let's do it." Let's try Angel ABC, you. Angel ABC, yeah. Yep. And I uh, went down there, and I, w- I was there till my last amateur fight. Is it? Is it? How is it? Is it? A tin shed still, or is it in good nick now? No, it's at the back of um city city in Islington College. Oh, so, so it's, it's probably it's doing pretty well now. Probably, yeah, nice brick built building. It's got a, a proper cemented roof with um a lit couple of leaks it had at the time. <laughs> uh, f- fully the full glamour electric, of boxing. Yeah. Man. Yeah. This is the glamour <laughs> but, of boxing. But the th- the thing, for all our listeners tonight, I mean, a lot of them will be returning from football now and all those kind of things that. Um, a lot of people think that most boxers were on the wrong side of the tracks and, you know, boxing straight in the mouth. I mean, were you mm. a hyperactive kid? Were you fighting in the streets, breaking into stores, about to be a hoodlum in a gang? I mean, what? what where were you? Where did you come from? No, do you know what? <laughs> if anything, boxing has brought me out of my show. I was, I've always been a right, quiet kid and mm. probably like, hang on to my mum's apron string is too long and like you're not telling me this rough looking handsome man is a mummy's boy well well not, not, not now we call a are gorilla. they all they all yeah, are we all, not, no, not we, now I've bowed down to a different woman I've got a partner who's <laughs> okay, like okay. looks after the baby and <laughs> tells me what to do so 
yeah. So um, I'm always being told what to do by a, some kind of woman. So, you, so, <laughs> so you at boxing actually brought you out and gave you the confidence you have as a man now. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, there's Islington's a, a, a big area and there's a lot of big characters and it's like you'd get swallowed up. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So it's just <laughs> stay quiet and slip under the radar. But boxing then obviously gave you some sort of identity. You just mentioned there, like, you knew lads that were playing football, you knew lads that were, I don't know, going, doing well in school, but boxing gave you your own identity, so therefore that was your conversation starter with, in the community, let's say. Yeah, it was weird, because everyone, everyone was so much on the, the football, football. Everyone wanted to just be that rich footballer. And yeah. Mm. Me and my mate Ben, he's, he, at the age of 15, he was he was six foot odd and he was 16 stone. But not, not, not a fat kid, he was just solid. So, um... We we just decided to go to boxing, and um, when we when we eventually finished school, we ended up having to go back to Poland. So I I, I stuck at it, and he he went back to Poland. He's back over here now, but it's just funny how the paths change. You know what I mean, mm. I do see you in in you know having been around boxing a long time, and you know 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 the characters you were watching like Colin Lake and Colin Dunn, who were real characters. In the always fighting at the York Hall and Billy Schwer fighting there all those years ago. Yep. There was a whole kind of uh, conveyor belt of talent coming out at the time from North London, anyway. Oh, massively, uh, yeah. Colin Dunn was the first fight I went to see. The fight mm. before I, I was at his Billy Schwer fight. Then he had a fight in a warm up before that at York Hall. I think he stopped the fella. I think he was. It might be a Georgian or something. I can't remember the name, but that was my first first ever live fight I went to see. Not, York Hall's not a bad place to no, go because it, it was always a, a... You could smoke in there in those days, I think. People used to smoke cigars He's like an athlete. He's, he's not doing that. No, he's yeah, an athlete, man. No, I'm not saying he was. <laughs> I, was about, saying, I was about 12, so I was, I, there were no cigars in my mouth. I, 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 I remember... I remember <laughs> I remember the bar was always open because mm. it was all standing in those days, apart from like a couple of little plastic rows of plastic seats that were media, and it was like a bear pit in there. Do you remember it being like that? I don't know. How old do you think I am, Gareth? You're thirty. He's only thirty. He no. wasn't around in your day in the sixties, mate. You know what no, I mean? No, I, well, <laughs> we did have plastic chairs, and yeah, yeah, there, was, I, there I, was there was a barrier. Yeah. I, I think I was covering Colin Dunn in the early two thousands. Am I talking early two thousand or mid nineties? Yeah, yeah, mid nineties. Might have been ninety six, ninety seven. I think he fought Billy Show in two thousand and one. Oh, was it as late as so that? It might, yeah. been, it might have been. 2000, yeah. You were still yeah. a whippersnapper though at the, yeah. at the time, you yeah. know. But the venue itself to experience your your first bo- proper live boxing experience in the York Hall. It's hard not to get the bug if you go there. I mean, you know what? I, w- I was on the balcony as well. Mm, I was, I was at mm. the bal- on the balcony, and for your first fight, if you're on the balcony there, and at the actual side of the ring, yeah, you feel like you can touch it. Yeah. So that was a, a great place to sit and a great place to. Mm. I've got to say fight. to the to the listeners, if you ever get the opportunity to go to the York Hall, it's only max eighteen hundred. I think they fit in there when they squeeze everyone in. Yeah, yeah. If you are up on the balcony, like you say, you are literally looking down on the ring, aren't you? Yeah. Um, and it's an amazing atmosphere. If you ever get the opportunity or, or, or know of an event going on at the York Hall, snap up a couple of tickets and get down there and go on the, the balcony because it's as good as sitting ringside. And you can actually have a bit of a do in the gym afterwards as well. You know, they've got a leisure centre there, haven't they? There's a bar there. There's yeah. everything. There's, there's, um, <laughs> there, there's, listen, it's a great area. The, 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 there's, the very famous, the, the Blind Beggar pub is around the corner. That's it, not far, yeah. Um, where the Craze used to go and drink. Mm. Charlie Magri used to have a pub across the road. I don't know if he still does. Mm. Um, Right, literally across from from uh, the York Hall. You know, it's it's one of those places. It's the area that 
the Marquis of Queensbury rules were first formed 160 years ago. So it does carry that that special um, spiritual feeling of being mm. the home of boxing. What's your uh, What's your relationship with the Copper Box? Because I know that you fought Billy there, and obviously the, that went the other way. You fought Kamitsky there as well, if yeah, I'm not mistaken. There, yeah. And you beat him there. Beat, so beat him on points. Yeah. So are you Are you bittersweet with the Copper Box? Are you cool with it? Where are you at this moment in time with it? Uh, yeah, I'm happy to be boxing there. I'm not. It's not a complaint. Um, <laughs> it, listen, I'm, I'm from Island, so it's not too far. It's yeah, a, yeah. It's a nice local venue. It's probably as local as I'm going to get, apart, other than the York Hall. And it could be, obviously, next weekend. Um, probably could end up becoming one of your most fav- favourite venues. Yeah, fingers crossed. I mean, also, we've got Ted Cheeseman on the bill as well, and he's he's a local lad yeah. from uh, Bernsey. <laughs> so it'll be good to get his, his, his fans in. So it should be a, a great buzz in there. Mm. Really? Now, I'm, look, I'm looking at... Um, sorry, Adam, excuse me. I'm looking at the uh, the world rankings at the moment, okay? Um, and you are number 10 with the WBC. Yep. Um, uh, 14 with the IBF. Yep. Um, and you're not ranked in the other two at the moment. You may not even be pushed to be towards, towards being ranked with them. Um, it's a very, very interesting fight for me, this, because I've watched this guy who you're fighting next weekend. I've watched, I watched a lot of him today, actually, at least half an hour of him. And I saw in his, him and his um, Ricardo Mayorga fight last year. I mean, Mayorga has fought some of the greats in boxing. You know, Felix Trinidad, Oscar De La Hoya, all these guys he lost to those. Shane Mosley, uh, uh, he was a brilliant boxer. You know, um, Fernando Vargas fight, he yeah. won. He's, he's got, he's, he was 44 when he fought him. So he's well past his best. But there was a very significant moment and he should have been deducted a point because he was leaning on the ropes like he was, I don't know, like he'd just been cleaning windows or something. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Or mm. he was standing under an umbrella. Teasing your opponent... Uh, Andre Sirotkin, um, in a way as if to say, you've got no power. You can't hurt me. Now, Mayorga is one of the great characters from boxing. Um, he's kind of, you know, he's he, he was a little bit twisted in that fight. You've seen it yourself, yeah, haven't you, John? It, yeah. um, did you take anything? Have you taken anything from watching Sirotkin videos? Because he's a very odd style. He switches. Um, he doesn't look to have a lot of power. He's only knocked out four, four of 15 opponents. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you're a very physical. They don't call you the gorilla for nothing. So is there is there a worry that you think you can just go in there and physically outman this guy? No, not at all. Because I, I have looked into his record and look into the knockouts, and you think he's obviously not a puncher. Mm-hmm. He's not. Nothing suggests that he's a big puncher. Um, so he, he must be a very good boxer or very awkward to keep getting these point decisions so I think the second of those the very awkward is the one so yeah, yeah. that is the thing that has been spurring me on this that I've got to be sensible I've not got to get a sea red not got to get a hot head and just stay calm stay focused and focus on my job in hand focus on what I'm doing well and not what he's doing and just concentrate on on the plan and just and just stick to it that's a shame as a fan because I just want you to go in there and blast him out, mate. You know what I mean? Give me, uh, give me the fire. If the opportunity arises, <laughs> it will be happening. It will be fire. But um... no, but you do, you do deliver. I mean, we, we you know, you, you. you Since know, you stepped I... up to super middleweight, yeah. The, you, uh, we were discussing it off air, weren't we? How comfortable you feel, and that's kind of being shown now in your performances. Eight more pounds, isn't that it? you're getting yeah. people out of there, and you're getting it. You're getting them out. Good fighters. Jamie Cox is a good fighter. You're getting people like that out in good style. So you must be confident, one, in your own power, and two, that this is the weight that you should have been at for a longer period of time, really. Yeah, but you know what? I, I was saying this the other day, I'm, I'm glad I moved up when I did because I feel like I could have done it too soon and hmm. not fully been 
at that weight and just been doing it out of laziness. But at, when I did do it, it was that was the last straw. It, it had to be done. Mm. Well, next weekend's the weekend, my friend. That is it. Eliminator time. Does it does that play any part in the back of your head, knowing full well what the prize is? Oh, definitely, yeah. Because I mean, look, you just one of the biggest deals in boxing has just been made for Canelo for was it 365 million yeah and he's fighting Rocky Field in his next fight who is the WBA regular champion mm. so and you're number three with the WBA I'm number three I with WBA yeah. To, yeah, yeah. So, well, well this is a final eliminator the we, fight next weekend is a final eliminator one, yeah. Yeah, yeah so um, there's, there's a massive character at the end of it and it's, it's hard not to look beyond Sorokin because there's the likes of Callum Smith Rocky Field or Canelo you know what I mean you've got two monster names in in the division mm. in the world of boxing and so it's hard not to look promoter. past him and yeah. the same promoter or if, if if canelo wins um against rocky fielding he's on DAZN. you might end up going to america to fight on DAZN. you know it, it's it's a massive opportunity you must be thinking of your family in your mind with all of this as well i'm thinking of may 5th Team Mobile Arena, Vegas. <laughs> Brilliant. Ryder versus Canelo. Yeah, bring it. And you're going to bring it and you're going to knock him out, aren't you? I'm going to give it a right good go. Because <laughs> you, you're quite similar looking to him. If you had ginger hair and a ginger beard, you and Canelo look like <laughs> twins. A couple of gorillas. Do you know what? It's funny. We, we, we was in Texas years ago. Yeah. And um, started sparring. And I can't remember. The, the, the fellow I was sparring, handsome. his dad was a, a, a famous boxer. And um, I started moving around, and he started calling me um, like Canelo, looking like I, a I can't say the words. Yeah. Oh right, right, but, right, um, right, right, right. Yeah, so it's it's stuck since then. So that's it. You're the yeah. English Canelo so, now. So that's can, where you're at. So so, so you'd, you'd be Morito because I speak Spanish. You'd be Morito, oh, the dark one. Oh yeah, really. yeah, because he's Canelo because he's redhead. Oh yeah, cinnamon, so Morito, yeah. you'd be the dark haired. Oh, okay. Um. So, but but if you end up fighting Canelo, can you please thump the desk now and tell us that you're going to get the beard dyed red and the hair dyed red and we're not going to be able to tell who is who in there fighting each other it'd be absolutely amazing i'm i'm just gonna <laughs> even though yourself i'm gonna live off the irish roots and um just say we must be a long lost irish brothers or something i've done a story before you know there's a there's a, a can we have culture corner music here please for a moment okay put culture corner music on cool. now saul canelo alvarez um, I think has descended from a group of two thousand Irish fighters with the with the Mexicans in the War of Independence yeah. with America. They call them Los San Patricios, and there are statues all over Mexican cities celebrating these two thousand Irish soldiers that fought for independence with the Mexicans against the Americans. And a lot of them were given kind of, if I can say this, the freedom of the cities afterwards. They enjoyed themselves, so they populated. Yeah. You know, and Canelo, I did ask him about this if he has Irish ancestry, and he gave me a wink and he said, I think on my mother's side, Anna Maria, her name is, I think there's some Irish in there. Yeah. Gave me a little wink. So you are probably related to Saul Canelo Alvarez. There you go. There, there you go. go. There you go. Listen, John, next weekend, this is what it's all about uh, the WBA uh, Eliminator. Sorokin stands in your way, my friend. We wish you all the very best. Thank you so much for being here 12 hours early and then obviously ended up turning up at the proper time for the actual programme. Um, we will be there, obviously, live and exclusive for Talk Sports. So we'll be calling that fight. So we hopefully, post-fight, we'll be having a little bit of a chat about what is next for John Ryder in 2019, which could involve a world title shot, which is absolutely tremendous. Well, I'll tell you what, if he doesn't hit that hard, maybe I'll lean on the ropes, yeah. get round to you, yeah. and we can do the interview then. 
Ooh, that's it. Wow, this, that's, that's a that's it. Mayor, Mayor Goresk. Yeah, we're sticking no. to a game plan yeah. and being serious. I, my, my feeling about this fight, and I do often call fights, and I like to call them. A lot of people don't like to pick. I think if you keep to your game plan, you keep it very tight, and you look at him for a couple of rounds, and you fight in the way you can, and you, and you know, you, you like you said, you used the word stalk earlier. I really like that approach. Mm. I think you'll wear him down. I think you'll either get ahead on points, or I think you'll stop him late. That's my feeling about it, you know. But he, but like you say, people can can be very tricky in there, and it's getting hands on them as well, isn't it? That's you know? it. You mean you can look at nine out of ten fighters and think, oh, he's terrible. Then you actually get in there and you think he ain't terrible. He's yeah. there for a reason. He's there for a reason. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. He does what he does. And he does it well. Well, we've got it live and exclusive on TalkSport next week. Make sure you come and join us. I think we start at 8 o'clock next Saturday uh, from the Copper Box. So make sure you do come and join us for that. Do stick around because Dillian White's up next. John, thank you very much for being on yeah, the show. absolutely brilliant. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. The fighting pride of Brixton, London, England. Dillian, the body snatcher. technical counter and the new WBA international heavyweight champion Jim, loads of time you're acting weird and trying to do this little act that you do to try and act like, 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 like you're this unpredictable guy. I thought you to shut up. Dylan, man. I thought you to calm you yourself down. You don't put it on nobody, bro. Mate, I put it on you before, you no, know. You don't. She's always going to go. I don't believe it. He's landing a right hand over the top. And Tuck is down. He's in very, very bad way here. Oh, that shot. He's put him down. And White's put Parker down. It was a left hand. Parker doesn't really know where he is. His spirit is broken. He's only hanging on for the last few paydays in boxing now. That's all he is. He's broken. He's oh, a broken man. I ain't got a clue, man. Who's the donkey? You, you look Who like is the donkey you now? Look like one now? Who is the donkey you look like now? Brown back onto the ropes. Tries to land the big right hand of his own. Oh, he's gone down. Left hand from Gillian White. And Lucas Brown goes down. All the fans are up there. And he's down and he's out. And the fight's all over. Derek Chisora has put him down in this eighth round. And now it's hard. He's put him down again. He's put him down again. Big right hand. It landed flush. And it's all over. The two of them have given absolutely everything. A titanic effort. A wonderful <laughs> fight. Dylan White and Derek Chisora gave us an absolute thriller. And listen to this crowd. Uh, you listen to Fight Night on TalkSport with me, Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davis. One of our favourite guests is on next. He's always straight talking, tells us exactly how it is. Dillian White, welcome. How are you, mate? I'm good, pal. You guys, are you, you guys in? You guys are good? We're all good. We're all good in here. Listen, Very good, thank you, Dillian. Good evening. I'm, I'm glad, good evening, Gareth. I'm glad we've got you because let's get some things uh, sorted out here, right? What's happening December 22nd? Who's going to be stuck? First of all, are you fighting December 22nd? And who's going to be stood in the opposing corner? Yeah, I'm fighting December 22nd. It could be Dominic Brazil, possibly Derek Cesaro. And we also... Possibly looking to lose our team's fight as well. At the minute, everything is up in the air. At the minute, um, you know, um, Eddie's negotiating with a few guys. You know, Derek Cesaro has been... Derek Cesaro, ideally, is who we wanted firstly, but he's been a bit silly. We offering him career high paid money. We offering him more money to fight me than he did to fight Hey, Funny enough, funnily enough, but these guys ain't serious. These guys say they want to fight, but they don't They don't really want to fight. They're just looking for a big payday, really, to be honest. 
That's interesting, Dillian, because, I mean, just to go over a couple of things, I mean, I was there on the night that uh, the brawl in Munich took place in, in February uh, 2012, yeah. and, uh, and and those he, famous he words, he, he glassed me, he, he became very, <laughs> he was very African that night, Derek, I mean, the, the, look, it was it was a weird night, they settled it in a grudge in the rain in, in, in at Upton Park, a Berlin ground. Yeah, it was a good fight. It was a really good fight, Hay was fantastic that night, Derek brought his normal menace. Um... One of the things for me, I think it's odd that I know what Derek earned that night. And if he's being offered more money than that night, then it's a massive payday. Um, how... I can tell you now, as it stands, he's been offered two or three times more. Wow. And, and he's, 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 not, he's not serious. You know, Derek, Derek always try and play antics. He's the kind of guy that you make the fight with him and then three weeks up from the fight, he will call up and say, oh, my shoulder is injured, expecting to get extra money. You know, he's done it a few times, a few of the cards have been on. You know, so even against Carlos Tucker, last minute he called up and said, oh, something's wrong with his shoulder. And then he had to pay him extra money just to get him on. So that's just the usual antics of Derek. He did, he did all right with a bad shoulder that night against Takam, didn't he? Yeah, um, there's, nothing, there's nothing wrong with his shoulder. He just want a bit extra money. That's um, d- does it make the fight easier to make now that he's joined forces with David Hay, in your view? He, you know what? One 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 would think it does make the fight easier to make. But it's James with David because you do it with somebody who does a little bit of sense. But David is also a massive egomaniac as well. But he's got a lot of pride, you know. And he he, he promised the fans that he he's gonna do 100 percent deliver the fight. And he's put his name his his name um on, on the line. So let's see let's see what happens. Hmm. Was there any temptation of not fighting? Um, for the remainder of the year, Dill. I know that you love fighting. I know that you get out there as often as you possibly can. But let's be honest, this year, you've had an absolute cracker. You've, you've Everybody that's put in front of you, you've sparked them clean out. You're the front runner for April and Wembley and a world title shot. Was there any temptation of just putting your feet up at Christmas and coming back New, new Year? Well, you know, the temptation's always there. You know, um, the, the Joshua fight's high possibility. And that's one thing that, that you know, we are telling um, these guys that, you know, if it's Brazil or Sazora, they need to make their mind up ASAP because, you know, I can sit down and wait. I don't really have to do anything. But obviously, mm. I want to be active. I want to keep fighting. I want to keep thrilling the fans and giving them big nights. So I just want to wait around, you know, so. One more, I suppose. We're, on the 1st of December, we're going to see Wilder and Fury go at it. And who knows what might happen in that fight. If Fury wins, there's definitely, yeah. going, to be a, there's definitely going to be a rematch there. So that's kind of them out of the picture for April. And with you, I don't know, it's, maybe it is perfect timing. Three weeks later to go make another statement just to remind everybody, oi, I'm the boy that should be getting the world title shot. Maybe maybe it is a little bit of a stroke of genius on your part to do that. You know, I'm, listen, I'm very inexperienced, you know. You know, um, I haven't had a long amateur career. I ain't been boxing that long. I've been boxing 10 years. Um, I ain't been boxing that long. I started boxing late. Mm. I still still a lot more to come. There's a lot, lot of things in working and technically. But... You know, um, so I just, I just keep fighting. I keep doing my experience. I mean, like anything, you have to do it over and over and over again. Like a good friend of mine saying, for me to become a two professional and expert at my game, I need to do 10,000 hours. Mm. So I'm trying to get that 10,000 hours in. <laughs> yeah, well, the, 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 the thing is, I mean, I, I've got to say, I do admire the fact you, you want to fight three times in a year because but, but, we're but, not seeing that from heavyweights at exactly, the moment. Exactly, but look at the, the level. Game. Look at the level no, no. that he's doing and, it at as well. No, it's, not, it's also the risk. What I admire what, with what Dillian's doing is he wants to be active. Look, he's being paid really well now, and I'm sure that's an incentive as well. 
you know, it's different going out for millions as opposed to hundreds of thousands. But, Dillian, the only problem is, of course, there is a risk mm. because there is a massive payday there for you against Joshua potentially in April. But I like the fact that you're you're happy to not roll the dice but get out there and deliver again. Because mm. I... Well, I've been around you enough to know now that you're a much happier fighter than you were before. You're being paid right, and you're getting the opportunities. You know, um, for me, it's not about the payday. The payday, is, the payday is a massive incentive, but it's not about the payday. It's about mm. getting revenge, select, um, cementing my, my, my legacy, giving the fans back what they give to me, because it's been a long road, and these fans have stuck by me, and they've warmed to me over the years, so I just sort of keep active, keep fighting, keep putting on big nights, keep selling out the whole two, and hopefully eventually move to bigger venue in the future and have a proper following and a proper fan base that the fans come yeah. out for. The only, mm. the only way you do that is to keep active. And, you know what I mean? Yeah. And the only way you become great and become legendary is by taking risks. You know, one never be, become great without taking a risk, man. And you and you wear fancy shirts now as well. So, uh, you know, you've hit the big time. No, 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 no. You know, I, 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 just, I just took a leap for you, but you got a few fences yourself. You know, I know. They, I know this sounds like a little bit of a Dillian White loving, but you are, you are exactly right. It is right. a Dillian White loving. It is. Why no, no, not? No. Why the devil not? No, absolutely. He no. wants to. He, he's the one willing to fight. He's waiting for the other people to sign. And that's where I'm going. Come on, let's Let, love him. Yeah, but this is he where I'm at it. with it because, right? There's a lot of guys, not just in heavyweight boxing, in boxing in general, that like to talk. Dillian talks and then backs it up. Oh, yeah. And that is why I think you have changed the perception of a lot of fight fans. I mean, if you remember going into the Anthony Joshua fight the first time yeah. round, a lot of I fans... Like 10 supporters. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you know. Exactly. And look, look at... I mean, the last, time out, at, the last time out at Joseph Parker fight, it was well, absolutely crazy, man. Well, you know, I, I love those heads, though. Those heads, those... Going out in those kind of environment, and that, that gives me such a... a rush and such a buzz and, give me, and makes my anger to... to, to, to to succeed and prove these people wrong, mm. and, you know, because even Joseph Parker fight, I was a massive underdog, you know. Mm. People keep underestimating, keep putting me down, keep putting me as an underdog. I love it, I love it, I love it. You know, like I always say, the underdog is the most dangerous dog in a fight because <laughs> mm. he's the, the dog on the bottom is the closest dog to the jewels. <laughs> <laughs> Only Dillian can get yeah. away with that. Yes, he can. Brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> but that, but what, what I was paying you the compliment, <laughs> what I was paying you the compliment, Dill, is that the attitude of wanting to constantly fight and wanting to challenge yourself. There's a lot of BS in the world of boxing, and I think mm. Pete, I think fans see through that. And obviously, you've talked the talk, and now you're walking the walk, and fans are adhering to it, and that's why they're paying the money to come and watch you. Yeah, you know, I engage with the fans and, and it's not fight anyone, you know. I'm not scared to fight no one, you know. Um, I call these guys out from years ago. I've been calling all of these top guys out and none of them wanted to fight. But, you know, <laughs> it's funny now the tables have changed and now I'm in the position they're yeah. in. Now they're trying to call me out, you know, when they know I've got fights already booked. I don't know, you know, um, I don't know that, you know, we schedule fight. I, I send contract and public notice out to them and then they reply, five, six, seven days later, we went over already to the negotiation with other fighters, you know? Mm. Well, when's the cut-off point then, Dillian? Because it's two months now. It's two months away. Well, we were trying to get it done this week, really, but, you know, obviously, you know, I think Cesaro was cooking his, his great plan, teaming up with David Hay, <laughs> and the same person who, who glassed him and the same person who was going to shoot and all that sort of stuff, you know. I, I don't... I don't get the team up at all. I don't get it, but uh, I don't know what you think Dave is going to bring to his game. But hey, yo, 
you know, it should have been done already, you know, um, but he's messing about. So, you know, we, we've started negotiating with Dominic Brazil and that's going well. So, mm. you know, um, you know, it might end up being done with Brazil. And to be honest, I prefer to fight Dominic Brazil also because it'll be a final limit for the WBC title and yeah. that's what we want is the world title. So, you know, if we can get a deal done with him, secure fighting for possibly a WBC interim world title and secure the number one position. Mm. That's what it's all about, man. 2019, it's all about getting that world title shot, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that's it. You know, that, you know, that's it. So let's see. Let's see now. Brazil, Brazil's a good fight. You know, he took Joshua, I think, what, seven rounds or eight rounds. Mm. You know, it'd be nice to go in there and do a job on him faster than what Joshua did. Mm. Nice. Listen, listen. You enjoy uh, camp, my friend. I'll stay away from you because I know that you're uh, you mean when you're in camp, my friend. And we'll uh, we'll see you on fight night on uh, December the twenty second. All right. No worries, man. Thank you. Take care. Night, Till. Cheers. Uh, Dylan right. White there. See, told you. Straight talking. Tell you exactly how it is. Nothing's nailed on at this moment in time for December 22nd, and that's who they're talking about. Derek Chisora is probably what the fans would like, but there's two other good fights for uh, for Dylan to have a little bit of a knock there. Well, he fancies the Brazil fight, doesn't he? Does, he does, clearly. According to that. You know, but but for I reckon... me, I would, I'd have liked to tease, if I'm honest, if yeah. I'm really, really uh, honest. I, I don't know. I mean, I t- I mean, listen, he's a tricky customer. Of course I, he is. For, for Dylan, I don't like Ortiz. Of course. Because it's the trickiest fight out of all of them. Because if, if the slippery Ortiz turns up... But listen, I think Dillian probably beats... Well, I think he does beat all of those guys, actually. Because what I like about him is that vim and desire. And we can hear it in every word he says. And he's he's so on his game. And you have to admire him. You have to admire his cojones. Absolutely. As you see, I've got to admire his jewels, basically. That's it. That's it. I'm, well, you can admire his jewels. I'll, I'll just admire him. <laughs> uh, you listen to Fight Night on TalkSport. Um, good evening. If you've only just joined us on Fight Night, you just missed Dillian White. You've missed John Ryder, who's been in the studio. We've got his live. have got his fight live on Talksport next weekend. Uh, this will be available as a podcast, which you can download via iTunes and the Talksport website. The back end of that Dillian White conversation that me and Gareth have just had uh, with him uh, was obviously about Derek Chisora, David Hay, and that's probably one of the biggest stories of the uh, of the week, Gareth. I remember waking up. What was it? Wednesday morning was it? I was waking up Wednesday or, or Thursday morning and thinking to myself. Where yeah. am I? This is yeah. like the twilight zone. Yeah, as if yeah, that, yeah. that normally we get a little bit of a sniff in this game, don't we? That something's going to drop, whether it be a fight or whether it be a, t- uh, a new trainer matchup. I never saw that coming for a month of Sundays. No, it's from foes to friends to business partners and a very cheesy tweet from David Hay saying, you know, in boxing, we settle it in the ring and we become friends afterwards. But I, but taking you back to that uh, that night in, in Munich in, in February 2012, David Hay, of course, had lost to Vladimir Klitschko the summer before in the rain against Vladimir Klitschko having chased him with uh, his uh, WBA belt to fight for all the belts in in uh, in Hamburg and then Hay was working on the commentary of Derek Chisora challenging Vitaly Klitschko yeah. for the world title the WBC belt that one the, the wasn't WBC it, yeah. belt yeah. and at the press conference afterwards we're all gathered there and I remember I was probably about eight seats away from where it happened. David Hay came down the right flank and Derek Chisora was sitting up on the dais with Frank Warren next to him, Vitaly Klitschko up the top. It was a great performance by Derek Chisora. He gave Klitschko his hardest fight since Lennox Lewis in 2003. Obviously, Klitschko went away and had knee surgery and was emeritus WBC champion, all those kind of things. But David Hay started chirping from the right-hand corner of the press room. And it wasn't a big room, but, you know, there were quite a lot of us in there. 
And there were about eight people that always guarded the two Klitschkos. These big security guys, six foot two, like six foot three. Like they need guarding. No, they just look, <laughs> no, but they just look like they, they look like Gestapo basically. They were always there with them, seven or eight of them, big fellas, never smiled. You try to have a word and try and get in with them, and they yeah. never smiled. Um, and they were only there to look after the Klitschkos. No one else. There was no other security there. David Hayes starts chirping, and Derek started going, "David, shut up like this. Shut up. Shut up. This is my moment. Shut up." And you suddenly heard his seat go back. And you thought, oh, no, he got out of his seat. Frank Warren kind of reached to stop Derek Chisora. And he went down the steps, down the aisle, mm. about 20 yards, and went into David Hay. And then we know what happened. He was holding a glass. He let the punches go. David Hay gave him an elbow from the top, turned into an MMA fight. And you Ad- just... Adam Booth got Adam covered Booth in claret. Yeah. got covered in claret. That's, um, someone, someone picked up a... Um, a tripod that was there. Yeah. I mean, and we just literally watched it. Was mayhem. It, was mayhem. it was mayhem. David Hay had a judo guy with him at the time who was one of his friends who kind of got Derek Chisora to the ground and, and kind of settled so he couldn't do anything. And, you know, within a, a minute or two, it was over. And then, uh, as you say, Booth had blood on the top of his head. Derek was shouting, he glassed me, he glassed me. And it was just mayhem in there. And Hay bolted. Yeah. Um, you know, we all gathered there. The police were there within 15, 20 minutes. And at the back were the two Klitschkos with the eight guards around them. You know, they just retired quietly to the unruffled, back of the room. Unruffled. unruffled. Mm. But Hay was after the fight with uh, with Vitaly or Vitaly uh, with, or, or Vladimir at the time. I do remember Hay took the first plane out of there. Um, Derek Chisora was uh, was interviewed by police. It became you know it became a big story. It was there was so much outrage. There was almost as much outrage at the time as uh, as, as Conor McGregor and Khabib Nurmagomedov mm. in Vegas a couple of weeks ago. And the weird thing was Derek Chisora had cha- if you remember had slapped Vitaly in the way in. Do you remember yes. he slapped his yes, face? Yes, 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 yes. Um, and he he planned to pee on him, I think, or something like that. Do something really outrageous. And of course in Germany it was look how these British heavy weights behave because Hay of course had had his t-shirt with the severed heads of the Klitschkos and mm. they were two big stars in Germany at the time so it it, it was really amazing when but, Hay and Chisora actually fought well that's what I'm going to say in Upton Park if, if you fast forward that to Upton Park because they were separated by a metal fence yeah, were, and were, all yeah. those types of things I mean we ended up getting a great fight it was a great fight it was a great atmosphere there were 35,000 people in there that night yeah all about 18 stone and 6 foot 2 if I remember in the rain everyone was really well behaved and it wasn't licensed by the board the no. British Boxing Board they refused to do it I think they had to go to Malta for the Luxembourg, license Luxembourg b- b- um, kind of uh, licensed it in the end but it was a tremendous night and you know what they made a lot of money out of it and that's what happens in boxing you get one of those things get a controversy and people make money out of it after because people want to see them fight but after all that can you imagine these two men then okay one of them's going to be the manager one of them's going to be the fighter sharing oysters at the uh at the westminster plaza hotel i couldn't believe it when it's i when i was seeing those pictures yeah, this it's week unbe- it's unbelievable it's going to be interesting really. to, see, to know what that ride is going to be whether they do end up sorting themselves out and getting a fight made with dillian on december the 22nd i mean listen to dillian there he's listen he wants it he wants to do it he knows that it sells he knows the fans want it however 
it just seems to me that it will be somebody else other than Derek Chisora on that particular night, which is a shame. I hope not, because I think this is the big fight for Derek Chisora. I don't see other big fights for him. He's got two or three fights left. Yes, it's a smart move to go with David Hay. Hay's a good talker. He's, he's a, you know, he's a handsome, articulate man. He's been and done everything in boxing, and he's got very good connections, both in with the broadcasting world. Yeah. You know, he's broadcasting a lot. He's very, very adept, very, very articulate, very bright. Um, and I think it's a smart move. I just hope we get that announcement Monday and Tuesday ne- or Tuesday next week. Mm. Eddie Hearn's busy over in uh, in Boston tonight. Of course, yep. we're going to talk about that later. But, you know, uh, for me, that's the fight that interests the British fans. Not Dominic Brazil, who we've seen beaten up in seven rounds by, by uh, Anthony Joshua before. Or Luis Ortiz, who's, you know age 42 to 52 or whatever he is and you know had a good fight against uh, Deontay Wilder yes if Dillian gets those two guys he can measure them against either Wilder or Joshua but bottom line the fight with Derek Chisora is, is the fight after that fight in Manchester two years ago where great, they just went hammer and tongs for 12 rounds. Yeah, it was great. Absolutely great. And uh, hopefully, as Gareth said, we get a little bit of an announcement on that uh, in the next couple of weeks. Uh, just for those people that are, are tweeting me about the rattling sound, it's because Gareth's uh, turned up as Mr. T tonight. He's got uh, he's got chains around his neck there. Are my chains rattling yeah, we, we can hear that through the uh, through the microphone, okay. you see. So he's, he's come, I'll, tuck him, I'll tuck him into my hairy chest. He's, he's, he's come dressed as uh, Rampage Jackson is what yeah. he's come, uh, come dressed as this oh. evening. <laughs> uh, do stick with us there's lots to get through we are obviously going to be speaking about this uh, major money deal for uh, Canelo we've got fights to look forward to as well that are happening in the early hours of the morning which are all live on TalkSport with Don McGuinness and Glenn McCrory both those gentlemen will be on the show by the back end uh, to give you a full preview of that uh, so make sure you stick with us on DAB Digital Radio and 1089 and 1053 AM Fight Night with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davis on TalkSport uh, welcome to Fight Night. This is TalkSport, your home of boxing. With me, Adam Cattrall, Gareth A. Davis. When we are not ringside, we are in the studio, picking the bones out of everything that's going on in the world of fight sports. Lots to get through. Gareth's been away for a couple of weeks, covering quite a lot of mixed martial arts, and there's been a lot going on there. So at the back end of the show, uh, we will talk about that. Uh, Don McGuinness and uh, Glenn McCrory will be joining us to preview the fights that we've got live and exclusive in the early hours of the morning from Boston Tommy Coyle making his American debut Scott Quigg's out there as well as is Katie Taylor and of course uh, we've got the WBO uh, middleweight championship of the World Up for Grabs as have we got the IBF Super Featherweight Championship live and exclusive on TalkSport in the early hours of the morning Uh, now one of the biggest stories of the week as we've just been discussing was David Hay teaming up with Derek Chisora Again, didn't see that coming. However, what we did see coming, and we mentioned it on last week's show, um, with the uh, demise of HBO, home uh, box office over in the States, uh, a a television channel which built boxing uh, throughout the course of the 70s, 80s and 90s, uh, has announced that it is pulling out of boxing. It's no longer going to be covering the major, major fights. Um, and uh, after Daniel Jacobs attempts to become world champion, I think that is in November, if I'm not mistaken, or at the start of December, uh, they will no longer uh, be covering uh, fight sports. So therefore, the likes of Gennady Golovkin, Saul Alvarez, and various others who are tied to that television channel are now looking for some new deals. And if you are the golden goose that is Canelo Alvarez... There's a few quid knocking about for you if you really want to make it. Obviously, other networks are like Showtime and ESPN. Um, but DAZN, a, a television channel, a streaming service that has come to our light uh, because of Eddie Hearn's involvement uh, with that particular channel and his Matchroom USA, 
um, have announced this week that Canelo Alvarez has signed an 11 fight deal direct with Golden Boy for $365 million. That's right, you heard me right. $365 million over 11 fights. Starting, of course, on December the 15th against our very own Rocky Fielding at Madison Square Garden. It's a phenomenal amount of money, um, but at the end of the day, the zone as a new streaming service, Gareth, they do need a superstar. They need a golden goose. They need to be able to bring in the fans. And there isn't, whether we like it or not, with what he's been doing over the last year or so, he is a person that has a massive following, especially with the, the Mexican crowd, Canelo, and therefore he will bring eyeballs to that new platform. Yeah, this is, this is a, a really complex story, actually, Adam, when you start to look at it. And it's quite an interesting thing for our listeners to, 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 to take on board because this isn't just something that's affecting boxing. This is affecting the whole way we're going to watch sports going forward, you know. Um, DAZN has called itself the Netflix of sport um, for, for the simple reason that over the next few years, they're already in seven countries, okay. Mm-hmm. People are a bit confused by this at the moment. So, first of all, like as you say, um, Canelo Alvarez has signed a £278 million deal for 11 fights over five years with uh, DAZN. So all his fights will go out in seven countries at the moment on DAZN. Yes. So that's America, Canada, Japan, um, Germany, Italy, uh, and a couple of others that I can't remember right now, but obviously, there's seven and countries. And America now, yeah. And, and America. So it goes out in those countries. Mm-hmm. But as DAZN acquire more countries, he'll go out in more countries. It, the, the most significant thing about this being, apart from the fact this is the biggest single sports deal in history for an individual, um, more more than the biggest before this was the New York Yankees uh, hitter Giancarlo Stanton, who signed in 2014 uh, to move from the Miami Marlins for 325 million dollars. Um, that was a 13-year deal, mm. but. That's significant in itself, of course. But even more significant is the fact that um, Oscar De La Hoya, for whom Canelo is the very head of his stable, his superstar, has brought his lock, stock and barrel Golden Boy promotions to that as well. He can do other things elsewhere, but he's promised his own... 10 other events a year, rather like Eddie Hearn is doing, 14 matchroom events a year. Mm-hmm. So what DAZN are doing is populating their their content provision yep. with lots of fights. <clears throat> Not only have they signed that Canelo deal, they've signed a $120 million US dollar deal a year with Hearn. Mm. So they've got Anthony Joshua on that platform as well. So they now have... That's over 10 with, years, by the with, way, isn't it? it? It's, it's, it's a billion-dollar deal, yeah. Over eight years. A billion-dollar yeah. deal yeah, yeah. over eight years. But what they've got is the two biggest stars in world boxing. They only launched boxing a month ago mm-hmm. in America. Mm-hmm. They only launched in, in America a month ago. So they've already got... They've put their money where their mouths are. But not only that... They and because you know I've been covering it the last couple of weeks. They've signed up Bellator's welterweight tournament, which is very exciting. So they've got eight events a year over three years, worth another hundred and forty million US yeah. dollars to Bellator, who are owned by another media conglomerate, mm-hmm. Paramount or Viacom, the the, the the parent company. So inside, uh, we are looking at 
they're already spending. They're already they've already put out a billion and a half um, dollars in in revenue towards boxing and fight sports. Now, what, what does this mean? Just well, just just the question you're at. What does this mean? for what we would class as traditional broadcasting platforms. I.e., I mean, we know that HBO are pulling out of boxing. Their numbers aren't there. That's what they're saying to us, all right? So the zone is snapping up those HBO fighters, as you've just been mentioning. You've obviously got Showtime over in the States, ESPN and ESPN+, Plus, which is, again, another streaming service on the back end of traditional ESPN. What does it mean for those traditional platforms there that are charging $65 for a pay-per-view and $100 for a pay-per-view? Is pay-per-view going to die and it's all going to go down the route of paying $10 a month? Is that what you're telling me? That, that is exactly what's going to happen. I mean, when Saul Canelo Alvarez fought Kennedy Golovkin um, in Las Vegas last month, it was $85 to watch the event. Mm-hmm. Now, you're going to be paying just over, or in America they are, $120 a year, mm-hmm. $9.99 a month, pretty much $120 a year. Yep. To, not just to watch the boxing, You've got all their sports on there that, you know, you've got, um, I don't know what the other sports are at the moment, but they've got soccer on there. They've got other sports on there. They're going to populate it. They're going to populate it with every genre of bo- of of, fu- of um, sport that there is rather like we see on Netflix with your dramas, your docus, your, mm-hmm. your, your, you know, your comedies. And, you know, look how populated Netflix is now. And by the way, I can remember, again, put my... Netflix, you used to order a DVD and it came through your letterbox within 48 hours, 20 odd years ago. Amazon, by the way, we know how big Amazon is now. It was started in a garage in 1994 where you could get books. It was started in a garage, the company, but it became big as the World Wide Web grew. This is what's happening. Streaming is the future. The way it affects broadcasters, it's not actually... The effect on broadcasters is what the viewer now wants, Mm. what the watcher now wants, what that mobile person now wants. We used to sit, go home to watch an event, didn't we? We don't anymore. We want to be able to shop, drive somewhere, go to a dinner, go out with mates and have that on our app and watch it as we're doing it. Mm. That's the way the world's changing. That's the way that not everyone, but that's the way that young people you know, you, you live off your phone. I, yeah, I yeah. see you working off your phone. Well, that's it's it. what we're all doing. You go in a cafe today. What's everyone doing? They've got their head in their laptop or their head in their phone. And you can even see five friends sitting around and they're all on their phones. They might be kind of having discourse and interacting, but they're all on their phones at the same time. You, you need think, to exist on demand is basically uh, what you're saying but, now. But, but what's exactly, but what's also happened is that pay-per-view... Because it's they've made it so expensive. All they've done is they've um, fighters, big stars have been put in. We had John Ryder in today. Okay, yeah. John's not a pay per view star. He has to really earn his crust. Yeah. Yeah. His big payday is a fight with Canelo Alvarez because he'll get a big payday. That's what every boxer's aspiring to. Um, but the big stars, um, it's kind of, in a sense. In the 40s, 50s, and 60s, when boxing was really popular on the radio and on television, people could watch a lot of it for free. Then, when people like Muhammad Ali came along, they put it on in theatres so that people could watch it in cinemas and theatres mm-hmm. paying. That was what pay-per-view of the day was. Um, pay-per-view came in, and it grabbed a very small niche market that pays a premium to watch the event. This is the opposite. This is... 
the way Netflix got rich, the way Netflix grew really big, they invested massively in films until they could bring enough customers to them. And this is what DAZN are doing. They are having to invest. It would not surprise me at all that once they get enough or once they make the decision that they buy Premier League rights or Champions League rights and they come to the UK and they get the subscribers here. They Think about it. If you've got 10 million subscribers mm. all paying $100 a year, mm. it's huge revenue. You can go out and buy everywhere. They're not also. Showtime's in the United States. HBO's in the United States. DAZN are already in seven countries. In five years, they'll be in 25 countries. What does that th- though mean? We should be on there right now. Doing it in Japanese, French, Italian, I can't speak Japanese. German, doesn't matter. I'll do it in those <laughs> languages. You just smile. No, but that that's the future. The future is places, you know, um, ungeo-blocked, um, streaming in different languages, those sports. Anthony Joshua will be going out in Japanese when... But he'll be going out in Japanese, Italian... Anthony Joshua fights are now on DAZN. Mm. He will be going out in all those countries. What yeah, I it? think it's fascinating. It is extremely fascinating, and I can talk to you all night about this, but what does it mean then for fighters? Well, let's talk about it all night. Well, wait a minute. Let's, let's leave Glenn and Dom to do the commentary, and we'll talk well, about it. Well, just answer this. me this. What does it mean then for individual fighters who are signed to different television networks? Are we in danger of creating a monopoly with the zone? No, Mop- we're not. Mopping we're, the no, lot no, up. No, we're not, because... Um, you know, because then fighters will have no leverage at all, and they will just be told what to do. Look, i.e., what the UFC do. Look, ne- just let me remind you: so we're talking about Netflix just now. We're talking about Amazon. Remember all these ones: Edsel, Kodak, Blockbuster, MySpace, Radio Shack, Toys R Us. All these places were trying to do the same things, and they've gone. Mm. That they- they- they've gone. Um, DAZN are going to be in direct competition with ESPN+. Plus. ESPN+, Plus, to talk about MMA for a moment, invested, have invested um, $1.5 billion over five years in the UFC for all of their products, for all of their fight nights, because they want to bring, they know there's a market out there. So with all of these features, we're going to end up with a DAZN against an ESPN Plus, maybe against an HBO does have a plus, HBO Plus. People are going to be choosing what packages they want mm. based around what things they want. Eventually, and I don't think it's possible because there will always have to be rivals, I think, we're going to end up with just two big networks with all the fight sports. Or and you'll probably buy both. Streaming services. So, streaming, so yeah, you'll yeah. probably spend $200 a year and you'll watch all your fight sports on there. Mm. Um, but you'll, but you know, you'll have soccer and rugby and all those things on there as well. The future is now, my friend. The future is now. Uh, stick with us um, because Tony Bell is going to be on the show next. Going to have a little bit of a chinwag with him. He's moaning, he's, uh, isn't he? No, he's not moaning. He's moaning about being tested too much. Well, we'll get his thoughts on we'll that. We'll test him tonight. We'll we are, test him. We are not too far away from a super fight between him and Alexander Usyk, uh, which is happening uh, in November. Do not go anywhere. We'll talk to Tony Bell. You next. <laughs> This is the most formidable opponent I have ever faced. And he is the man who everybody is scared of. He is the, the monster who everyone's running away from. And it's only a dope like me that can run right at him. I'm, I'm not going to shock the world for the first time. Not even the second time. It's going to be the third time. Hey, you listen to Fight Night on TalkSport with me, Adam Catterall, Gareth A. Davis. Delighted uh, to have alongside us now on the phone. Uh, Hollywood Tony Bellew. Hollywood's mean. Tony Bellew. He's on the show right now. How are you, Tony? You well? 
How are you, boys? Yeah, good. <laughs> oh, you... Are, you, are you deep in camp? I'm just about to get into bed. Oh, oh that's nice, nice, the nice. best thing, mate. Saturday night, early nights, swim fights. That's it. Oh. He's, he's going for a spoon. He's going oh, for a spoon. I won't tease him about saying he's getting tested too much. Then, no, no, listen. Oh, he's. he's look at that. <laughs> me about that. You know what? I don't want to be complaining about them because then that goes against everything I believe. Because they turn up at five a.m. Then, won't they? Ah, uh, it's just, <laughs> it's just messing me sleep pattern up. That's all. Do you know what? I when I read that tone, I did think. What what is the difference with them turning up at seven thirty or eight o'clock to six o'clock? I don't get that, frankly. Well, to be fair, when I first filled in my whereabouts, and this was many years ago, I used to put six till seven because that'd be the time I'd usually get up. So because I used to have to run every single morning. You weren't wearing silk pajamas at the time, eh? No, mate, I weren't. <laughs> I weren't, and I used to have to get up and run uh, five and a half, six miles every single morning when wow. I was light every week. So. I always kept the whereabouts, but I changed it about eighteen months ago, and they haven't they haven't seemed to pay attention to the time zone when I changed it, and uh, they just continue to knock at six or six a.m. every time they knock. So, can you talk us through what your response is like when they knock us? Can you give us the response? Can you can, can you do Tony Bellew at six a.m. when he's not happy? Tony Bellew, six a.m. Is you taking the piss again? <laughs> Do you, yeah. do you send them that's, down? That's to what the, they're doing there, Tony. That's you, what they're there for. Do, do, to, do, do you send them down to the local cafe and say, "Come back in an hour and a half, will you?" And he said, "You know what? The, the, the very first time was the best because me missus opened the window at the front of the house and she screamed out to them." You've got the wrong house. And he shouted, No, we're drug testing. He said, No, I've just told you you've got the wrong house. <laughs> I, I was shouting to her, Yeah, I must have got the right house. I've got the to drug test me. She never knew that this kind of thing could Oh, happen. really? Yeah. Oh, man. Man. So, Listen. I only ever inform her of half the story. <laughs> Well, listen, why don't you just have a cup of cocoa and go to bed then and we'll say goodnight. Uh, I'm only kidding. I'm happy, mate. You know, I'm really, I'm in great shape. I've gone through, usually it's very, very hard what I do on Saturday. It's a treadmill sprint session. And it's, you know, 30 seconds on, 30 seconds off. uh, An unlimited amount of times, mate, on, you know, 21k speeds. And, uh, you know, you can go up to 32 to 36 times. Wow. And today, I flew through it, in all honesty, I'm not going to lie. It was, it, it's the best I've ever felt after doing it. Usually, I can't walk for two hours. People don't come near me for a couple of hours. I just need to be left alone to try and gather me thoughts and, and become sane again after going through this thing on the treadmill. But I'm going to be totally honest, after today, I felt fantastic. Oh, that's great. So, well, I'm in a really, I'm in great, great shape, mate. I'm in the best shape I've ever been. A lot of fights use the old cliche, I'm in the best shape I've ever been in my life. <laughs> this is the greatest camp ever. I'm not going to lie, it's not been the greatest camp ever, but today is the first time in my whole 11-year career when I've been able to come off a treadmill and say, you know what, I feel like I could train. Mm. I went. Uh, I was up at uh, in Rotherham with uh, our mate Nick Pete during the week, having a look at uh, what Tony's up to. And I say something: the grafting them lads. They are grafting. You're having a go, aren't you, mate? Mate, thank you very much. I was going to say when they said Catsall's on the phone, I said, did he not see and listen to enough of my nonsense <laughs> earlier through the week? But uh, thanks, mate. Uh, you know what? I'm just. I'm in great shape. I'm in a really good place. Uh, I'm sparring well. I'm training well. Uh, everything's going to plan. So. Fingers crossed, I've just got the team well. I've got two me, me last two hard weeks are coming up now, so I'm coming up to the hardest 14 days of the camp. I've got exactly 
Seven pounds to go. <laughs> I've got exactly seven pounds to go. Uh, the the WBC come and check weighed me yeah. yesterday, and they check weighed me fully clothed with my hands taped, and I was 210 before the session. Nice. Mate, that's unbelievable, especially when you've been campaigning at heavyweight for the last God knows how long, you know? Yeah, but I'm not going to lie to you, mate. It hasn't been uh, <laughs> it hasn't been easy to come oh. down, in all honesty. I did enjoy my time in heavyweight. <laughs> I absolutely, most definitely enjoyed me wedding and honeymoon. <laughs> I want to say to you, Tony, that you haven't got anything left to prove, but do you know what? I, you. No, I'm not gonna, No, but I'm not going to say that to you because you've been written off so many times and there is so much kind of... Um, love and love hearts and this great Ukrainian thrown at Alexander Usyk and I, I've learnt over the last four or five years to write you, I've never written you off, but to to, to underrate you against opponents at my peril um, and, Do you know what do you know what, I can't really complain guys because so many thousands of people alone basically said that I wouldn't even take this fight. Mm. They, they actually said I was too scared to take it. He's indestructible, he's undefeatable, he's, he's unbeatable. So just by me taking the fight, I've proved half the people wrong. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when I beat him, I actually think Twitter's going to collapse and fall apart. <laughs> I, think, I think I'm going to break the internet. <laughs> because it's going to be unexplainable, because I'll be honest, I can't even explain it. But I'm going to do it. For I'm going to find a way. For people listening... Talk yeah. to talk to me what you've seen. Obviously, you're I'm not, listen. You're a student of the game. You've seen it, done it, got the t-shirt. As Gav was saying, you don't have anything left to prove. No. But when you look at Usyk, tell me what you see and how then you go about defeating him. I see a brilliant, brilliant fighter, one of the best pound-for-pound fighters in the world. A guy who's got perfect balance, hand-and-eye coordination. Uh, his most exceptional tool is his feet. His feet are absolutely fantastic. But the the, the he looks so good because the guys stand in front of him and, and are in awe of him and admire him. And to be honest, you know, I can't blame some of them because he is that good. But I am just unlucky for him, not one of them people who's got any fear of him. I will not be in awe of him. Uh, I'm going to do things that have never been done to him before. You know, there's just, I, I can't go into the game plan on how it's going to work, but believe you me, it's going to shock a lot of people. And although everybody says, Tony Bell, you can't outbox Alexander. He's OK, sound. I can only knock him out then. Well, that's what I'll do. I'll just <laughs> find a way. I just know. I know I'm going to do things in the ring that is going to make this fella very uncomfortable. And there's going to come moments in the fight where I'm going to ask questions of him. And the questions, in all honesty, that I don't know if he can answer them, but the questions that I've had to answer throughout my career, because I haven't been as fortunate as Alexander Usyk. I didn't come into the professional game on the back of an Olympic gold medal. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans, they supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. 
Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. I wasn't always allowed to choose the people I was fighting or the styles I was going to face. Whereas he's been very fortunate, but no, 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 all due respect, he deserves that because he's been an Olympic gold medalist, he's been a world amateur champion, a, a European amateur champion. He's won absolutely every single thing he can possibly win in boxing. He's done it. He's be, he's become the very first man to, you know, bring together all the cruiserweight belts at once: the IBF, the WBO, the WBC, and the WBA, and the Ring magazine. But he's the only cruiserweight in the history of the sport to have ever done it. Mm. So um, you know, I know how good he is, but I, I just see things that I can exploit and make. Don't get me wrong. Listen, we've all got our weaknesses. We all make mistakes. I make them, and I make a lot more than he does. However, nobody's been able to exploit any of his mistakes. I 100% can, and I 100% will. Tony, um, one of the things that I'm pulling out ahead of the fight is the fact that, um. You've done well against southpaws. Um, Alumbo Makabu was a southpaw, mm. and it really helps your right hand, which is very powerful and comes from nowhere. Um, and but also, one of the big things here, I think, in your favour is, you know, I must say this: his lack of experience in the professional game. Um, you know, I surely you fare, fare, fare well against Glavaki, who he's beaten, Michael Hunter, Marka Hutt, Marius Bradis, Murat Gassiev. You wouldn't fare, you wouldn't, you wouldn't fear any of those opponents either, would you? you I know? think I'd be a favour going to, to most of them. Yeah, I, so, I agree. I agree with that. that. that that's not a problem facing any of his previous opponents. I mean, it, when I was matched with David Hay the first time. If if Alexander Usyk was matched with David Hay that first time, who would have been favourite there? Hay would have been favourite. Mm. Well, uh, according to people that have only beaten old man, so <laughs> you, know, you can't really win. But 
Uh, David was a, a formidable heavyweight who was yeah. blown away everyone on his comeback. And just because fat boy Tony Bell, you beat him, he's all of a sudden he's old and he's washed up. So it is what it is, mate. Uh, Alexander Usyk is a fantastic fighter. Anderson Mark Gassiev is a brilliant fighter. Mm. He just got. He just, he is what he is. He, if you want to stand in front of Mark Gassiev and, and, and admire him, then he's going to absolutely blow you away. But if you give Mangles, show a little bit of speed and good footwork, he's not the hardest to beat, mate, in all honesty. I think if you win, you're going to be getting divorced, if you know what I mean. Oh, no, mate, I'm not. Trust me, I'm going to listen this time. <laughs> so you are going to stop if you win, I yeah? Was gonna, I was supposed to stop last time. Mm. And, I, and, and, and I'm not going to lie, I was retired. I yeah. was, but... When I found myself watching them on that mobile phone while I was on, on my your honeymoon, honeymoon. Yeah, <laughs> dear I, me, I knew I went tired because what was I doing? Watching Alexander Usyk say Tony Value four belts around his waist, and then immediately getting on my phone, half drunk, <laughs> arranging to face the most formidable cruiserweight possibly you know the world has seen since Evander Holyfield. Well, it's normally you calling him out. He's called you out this time. You can't turn it down, can you now, son? That's what I'm saying, mate. You know, you want to ring me phone, I'm going to answer. That's what you've done, you know. I'll always answer the phone, so don't get me wrong, no. On November the uh, the 12th and 13th, I'm changing my number. (laughs) Very good. No one can ring the phone anymore. That's very good. The plan is is to change the number and, uh, and, and give the kids the four belts, so... Wow. Five, five. I keep telling yeah, you, it's five, mate. The big one's in there as well. The number one one, the oh, the ring magazine as well. No, I know. Do you know what, mate? When I first signed up for this fight, it was all about belts and, and the dream of holding all four belts and ring magazine, all that stuff. But the closer it gets, I'm not going to lie, it's just about him. I just want to beat him. Oh, brilliant, he's the, brilliant. He's the man they say I can't beat. He's the monster who everybody's running away from, running away from, and he's the guy who's being talked about as pound for pound guy. So. I just forget the belts and forget the politics because they seem to have run the course. It's just about beating him because the all say I can't. Go and enjoy your Saturday night. The missus is waiting. See you in a bit. Thanks, one boy. <laughs> Good night, Tony. <laughs> Cheers. Good night. Cheers. Bye. Uh, Tony Bell, you there? In great spirits. I know he's putting himself through it, like he just said. There. He's oh, you can on the tell. Today. You, but yeah, he's putting himself through I it. I mean, you've seen it. Tell us what you saw when you were there. Mate, Ed. he's grafting. He's as he just said there, right? When this fight was made. He was out. He was done. He got married. He was enjoying himself. He was enjoying family life, and that's where he wanted to go. And nothing else to prove. He's done the world champion thing. He's beaten David Hay. Job done. He's made a ton of cash. It's not about the money. People will keep telling me it is. It's not. Trust me. The lad's Bruce that he's, he's done well. But when the undisputed cruiserweight champion of the world and the first name out your mouth when you've won the World Boxing Super Series is Tony Bellew. That's a hard temptation to turn down. Yeah, yeah. The opportunity to become yeah. oh, no, there's no question. undisputed champion. And he's putting himself through it. He's getting himself down in weight correctly. Like I said, I spent a little bit of time in Rotherham this week. He's, gra- he's grafting, man. He's putting it in. There's a Coldwell, a- Dave Coldwell is a great coach. He's a great coach. But there's, yeah. there's something in Bellew's eyes where he knows this is the last rodeo. Mm. And I'm going to mm. give you everything that I've got. He's leaving mm. it all in there, mm. mate. Mm. I'm pleased that he, that he has actually made that decision. Um, and you know what? If he does walk away with the four cruiserweight belts, a victory over Alexander Usyk, the London 2012 Olympic heavyweight champion, by the way, he yeah. was um, at the Olympic Games. Um, that is some way to go out. And with the ring belt for uh, the ring magazine belt for the number one in the cruiserweight division, that is some way to walk away from the sports. Well, with a lot of money in the bank, and as we hear. His health and faculties intact, and Rachel still his wife. Thank <laughs> yeah, God. Thank God for that. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Um, you're listening to Fight Night on Talksport.